you obviously had a dream to build a successful podcast. So I simply say to you, Josh, if there's anything that you're doing in your life that's making it hard for you to eat, sleep, breathe, shit, and enjoy being the man that can deliver the message that the world needs right now, then you're energizing a nightmare, not a dream, because it disables you. That's Paul Check, and this is episode 227 of Wellness Force Radio. Welcome to part two of our special edition series with Paul Check. By now, you've downloaded your free healthy core cycle checklist from episode one. And if you have not, don't wait another minute. Head over to checkinstitute.com forward slash wellness force to get your free guide that'll give you a starting point to address common diet, rest, and work-life balance stressors that cause gut inflammation. Download the free guide, assess your current core function for free over at checkinstitute.com forward slash wellness force. Now in part two, we explore Paul's wisdom on privacy invasion, how we can protect ourselves when buying technology products, the importance of taking loving care of our internal environment and our external environment, including the soil, produce, and animals, how to actually get started on doing the real work to improve yourself in a world of over-information, the secrets, and some incredible facts behind water, this powerful source on the planet that we drink every day, but Paul shares how its quality and vitality impact all living things in the world. We'll talk about how to change yourself and the world with the four check system. Number one, what's my dream? Number two, where am I out of balance? Number three, what are my dream affirmative core values? And number four, what are the four doctors? Happiness, quiet, diet, and movement, the only four that Paul believes we'll ever need. And the yin-yang of exercise working in rather than just always working out, as well as so much more. Right now from the godfather of wellness, let's drop in for part two with Paul Check. The infrastructure of the United States is one country that's in very serious condition. I mean, I've seen documentaries showing there's bridges all over the country, there's plumbing systems, sewer systems that are ready to collapse at any minute, yet we're spending shitloads of money on a military budget for, for what? That's one of the most dangerous industries in the world, the military-industrial complex. And you don't need to be a genius to do the research to find that they just start these wars and use propaganda in the media to wind people up. Vietnam was a good example. So you've got, you've got a, a situation here where people really need to quickly turn back to the philosophies that were sustainable. And that's, that's the more natural way that the natives lived, more in harmony. And it always amazes me people think they were stupid people. Well, they weren't running around destroying the planet. And, they, you know, and, and anyone that thinks information from antiquity is stupid, I just have one question. How did the pyramids get built? Yeah, that's a question that's never been answered. No, it, it hasn't been answered, but there's answers for it, but they become personal answers. Mm-hmm. And I certainly have my own philosophy, but, and I've studied these kinds of things a lot. And, and the, the point that I'm making is don't think that native people were stupid. They've done digs where they found toilet systems and plumbing systems more technologically advanced than ours that have been dated 20,000 years of age. Um, Greg Braden's got a great series on Gaia TV called Missing Links, and he shows... Greg Braden showed that in a coal mine, I think it was a mile beneath the earth, they found a computer, a very advanced computer chip embedded in stone a mile beneath the earth. And the big question is, how in the hell did that get there? Seriously. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Greg Braden's show, Missing Link, shows all the stuff that science hides from you because they don't want you to know about it because you'll start asking dangerous questions. I mean, there's a lot on there. Mm-hmm. You know, Greg Braden's an intelligent man. He's not someone that just plays foo-foo, and he's got lots of good science to back his points up. So what I'm saying is that throughout history, native technologies, one, we don't know a lot about their technologies because we can't figure it all out just from digging up bones and, and broken plates, right? How can you know what somebody's sexual practice was by looking at a destroyed house, right? It doesn't tell you much. But they did have ways of interacting with nature. They had spiritual practices for a reason. They had worship for a reason. They had respect for life for a reason. And you don't need to be that intelligent to say, where does my food come from and what's going to happen when I don't have anything to eat and I don't have clean water anymore? What are we going to do when the, you know, you've got cities in the United States where oxygen levels are dropping to dangerously low levels, places like Mexican, Mexico City, you've got in Phoenix, Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona. My God, I was there about oh, 10, 12 years ago doing a course and I went out for a run because it was the best thing I could do that morning. And my eyes were burning like hell. My throat was burning. And I felt like I was running inside of a, a, a chimney or something. What damn was going on? It's just all the air pollution. And I lived here, you know, when I, when I was young, my, my parents were natives of Los Angeles. They immigrated to Canada in 72. But I remember Los Angeles just being so smoggy. It, it not only would burn your eyes, but but radiator hoses would rot on cars in about two years. And all I'm saying is that when you add up the level of toxicity and you look at what we're doing to the ocean, you look at the changes of the uh, wildlife, you look at fish being born all over now with, with hermaphroditic qualities and males that can't reproduce because of all the estrogens we're dumping into the oceans, and, you know, people don't realize how powerful hormones are. I've got research right here in my library that shows you can scientifically measure the effect of one drop of estrogen in the amount of water equivalent to 900 railway tankers of water. Okay, so imagine how many Olympic swimming pools 900 railway tankers of water could fill and research can measure an energetic shift in that much water with one drop of estrogen. And our bodies are full of those hormones. So when you think about how much xenoestrogens and hormone modulators and the effects of herbicides, rodenticides, fungicides, pengicides, electromagnetic pollution, and you know the list of all this stuff goes on, you can see that we're just basically turning ourselves into a, a total chaotic mess. The problem is, is this is all highly profitable to the people that have developed the catch net so that you stay sick as... Some, you know, um, I think it was Robert Rakowski, who was a lecturer, a genius chiropractor that lectured for Metagenics for many years, teaching doctors medical nutrition. He says very clearly, and he shows a diagram, and he shows what drugs the drug manufacturers have already planned out for you, literally from cradle to grave. So he has a diagram. I've got it in one of my slideshows. He lent it to me. Right from the time you're born all the way to the time you're dead, they've already planned which drugs they want you to go on. Look at all this vaccination mm-hmm. crap. I mean, hell, you you have people forcing you to vaccinate your kids. When my son Mono was born, they wanted to give this kid 42 vaccinations. 
like within the first few months of his life, I had to fight like hell in the hospital to tell him to piss off. No, he's not having these vaccinations. I did the homeopathic route. I hired one of the top doctors in the world on vaccinations to coach me. Her name's Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. If you go to V-A-X-T-E-R, I think it's, uh, it's V-A-X, might be double X-T-E-R, Vaxter.com. And now the government's trying to shut her down and, and control what she can put on her website. But, I mean, these things are low with aluminum, they're low with mercury, and then you're injecting the virus into the person. Well, now you've got the damn thing. And, and we talked to doctors and therapists and nurses all over the place, and nurses were confiding us in private, quietly, that they get people in the hospitals every day with exactly the diseases they've been vaccinated against and that the vaccines don't work. I would ask, tell me what's in that. Like they wanted me to give our kid vitamin K. I said, look, vitamin K has never been given to a children until some idiot invented the concept in a laboratory. And it's, I said, is it natural or synthetic? It's synthetic. Well, there you got a problem right there. And I can get into that. But the point is, every time I asked a question about what was in those vaccinations, nobody could tell me. One nurse went and got the box and I read it and will poison your liver may kill you. I'm like, yo, look at this. You want me to give a healthy infant this, and when you add up everything on here, it, it spells death. This is the conventional wisdom, Paul. The conventional wisdom is yeah. something you've kind of always been against. And I think yeah. also what hurts when I'm talking about this, or when you're talking about this, is like people are so in the not knowing that it's a big blind spot and they don't even think that there's anything to be done about it. So you've painted kind of a dismal picture well, they've and it's been, real. They've been brainwashed. That's the thing. You see... They don't think anything can be done about it exactly. because just like Christians have been taught it's a sin to look into any other religious philosophy. This is called a defense meme in the science of brainwashing. An offense meme is a reward. As long as you do this, you get this reward. But if you don't do this, this is how you get punished. Look, I was a soldier in the 82nd Airborne Division. I, I know exactly how they break you down so you'll go kill a commie for mommy. Uh, it's just standard brainwashing practices. And like I said, researchers showed that the Catholic Church had it mastered by the 8th century and they've been perfecting it ever since. I mean, you know, a good example of that is look at all the cell phones. Those cell phones can be used to spy on your every move. They can listen to everything. They can turn them off from on and off remotely. Um, and, you know, there was a time back many years ago when they stopped advertisers from using subliminal messaging in movie theaters and on televisions. But what they didn't tell you is they've advanced the technology so that they're doing it to you all the time. Consider that light has an almost infinite capacity to carry information. If you study wave technologies, you can put waves inside of waves inside of waves almost ad infinitum. So they have now used cell phone technology to keep people looking at screens all the time. But what I'm telling you is while you're looking at that screen, they can program you to buy, to impulse buy. They can, they've got you right by the eyeballs. And water has an almost infinite capacity to carry information. Light has an almost infinite capacity to carry information. So when you start looking at the technologies they're directing to and making you dependent upon, it's really more like they're moving chess pieces around and they set it up so that if you don't have that, you're falling behind. And if you're not on this group, you're falling behind. And and then they, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. The good news is, is now we can, you know, if somebody farts in Africa, we can know about it in, 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 as fast as an electron can fly from here to there on social media, right? So it's protecting us in some ways, but it's also 
a technology that's being used to control us. And, and really, the, the thing to do is, if you just go talk to people that have lived a real life and have some connection to the earth and some yeah. basic knowledge and skills, you'll learn a hell of a lot more than you can um, staring at a screen. And if you just remember that real food comes from real soil and it's not poison, it's not toxic, and real food from animals is animals that have been loved and respected and that aren't dying in a state of complete shock, fear, and whatever emotion an animal can feel when it's forced to to live as a poisoned being with no space to breathe, move, or... I mean, who would want to eat that anyhow? Let's talk about that, though, because one of the most popular blog posts on Wellness Force is where I cite your work about the closed organic cycle. We have over yeah, like okay. a thousand shares about this. So if people maybe understood, Paul, what even the hell the closed organic cycle was, yeah. maybe they could live their life in more alignment with that. Well, the closed organic cycle basically says that the soil is the basis of what we eat. So the plants can only be as healthy as the soil. That's just scientific fact. I mean, if you want to use science, I can show you science to prove that. Animals eat plants if they're not eating each other, but the animals that are eating each other are also eating animals that eat plants. So human beings eat plants and animals. So a human being who goes to a shopping mall or a Safeway or a Albertsons or a supermarket, which is eating plants that were raised on highly toxic dead soils that are, and I could go deep into the soil science, let's just say it's dead food from dead soils that's yep. highly, highly toxic. I think you called it a sick, obese plant. Yes, there's these sick, animals are eating. There's sick, obese plants. So we've got people that are eating sick food and dead food from sick, dead soils that are then eating animals that are fed not only sick, dead food, but this food that's been rejected for human consumption by people like the Food and Drug Administration or the food inspectors, sell it to the farmers to feed to cattle and hogs and chicken and pigs. And so you're eating the reject food because the meat in the animal bioaccumulates the toxins and the fat. You know, on average, uh, research suggests that it takes about six pounds of vegetable matter to make one pound of animal flesh. So if you're eating a, a cow or a pig or a chicken or a sheep, they're bioaccumulating a mass of toxic plant food from toxic soils. So when you eat those foods, you're going to bioaccumulate that. And if you cannot detoxify it, then the body shuttles it off into the fat to try to protect the body and the sensitive organs of the body. And and so that's one of the reasons we have so much obesity is people are generating fat to to protect themselves because they don't have the nutrition on board to run the detoxification pathways. There's two primary pathways in the liver, cytochrome P448 and P450. Both of those are enzymatic pathways that are used to convert fat-soluble chemicals and all pesticides, herbicides, rodenticides, and fungicides at large are oil-soluble because otherwise the rain would wash them away. And, and fat-soluble chemicals require a more comprehensive chemistry than water-soluble chemicals to remove from the body. Can you talk about the fat in the animals again? That's fascinating. So the, all the toxins accumulate there. So when you're eating CAFO meat, you're eating a way higher load of toxins than Absolutely. anything else. Absolutely, yeah. If you're eating the choicest cuts of meat, those are the fattiest cuts. So your prime rib, the for example. The more fat, example, the more toxin. The more, the more fat, the more toxic. And this is one of the problems with the whole paleo movement 
people don't realize if you go paleo without going organic, you're on your way to a very interesting and bumpy ride because you're poisoning the hell out of yourself. And the average person, in my estimation, is eating two to five times more animal flesh than they should be. I mean, if people listen to their bodies like I teach them to do and develop a relationship with their bodies and let their bodies guide them, you would see that if people eat, one, if you eat organic food, there's many good studies, and they show this on animals and human beings, that eating organic food, you need about one-third less food because the nutrient density is so much higher, it triggers our satiety centers, and we stop eating because we feel satiated about one-third sooner than we normally would. So if you want to cut down food consumption, just eat real food, and then while you're cutting down food consumption, if you're eating real food, you're eating organic food, which means you're not destroying the planet. So the point that I'm making is, is that when you look at the activity level of the average human being out there, they're sedentary. I mean, yeah, if you're an athlete, you know, I'm an athlete. I work out hard in the gym. I lift stones. I do things. And when I lift, when I go deadlifting, for example, I notice that for about 48 hours, I need a lot more flesh. But if I take two days off, I can practically go vegetarian with no problem at all by my second day off. And I can get by with just half as much food by the third day after a deadlift workout. And, you know, I've monitored these things and I teach my athletes to monitor these things in themselves so they don't poison themselves. You Look, you can poison yourself even with good meat or anything. You can overdo anything, right? It doesn't matter if it's sugar. It doesn't matter if it's fat. It doesn't matter if it's protein. It doesn't matter if it's uh, drugs. It doesn't matter what it is. Money. You can screw yourself up. You know, when you look at many subject areas and many parts of life, you come to an interesting conclusion. The wisest, healthiest people all had one fundamental concept underneath their philosophy, and it was the middle way, balance, not too much, not too little. That really is where we're at. We've got to get back to not too much and not too little. You don't need to overexercise, but you do need to exercise. You don't need to overeat, but you shouldn't undereat. Too much sex takes the quality out of sex. Not enough, and you're lonely, and you might become a weirdo. Um, I'm also thinking about Goldilocks, right? Not too little, not too much. Just enough porridge, yeah. but not too much. But you see, there's truth in that. And where do those stories come from? Those are stories we've been telling our children yes. for a long, long yes. time. But we have lost touch with the meaning of those stories. And so... You know, the, the good news is we have so much advanced technology now that if we tasked the entire military with rehabilitating the soils and cleaning up the oceans, instead of developing weapons of mass destruction, and instead of using television as a weapon of mass distraction, and we have to remember the word television means tell a vision. We are programming people under the powers and influences of corporations that are designed specifically to make money and don't give a shit about how you're doing because that's profitable too. So we have to be very selective. And remember, we're looking at light-sourced information that tells us a vision, and I mean tells you like a drill sergeant tells you, you will eat Chips Ahoy. You will eat at McDonald's. And people don't realize that they're doing things. And look, I mentioned it earlier. You've got to think something's wrong with people when they keep eating all this food and thinking they're getting a good deal when they're getting fat and sick and they keep doing it anyhow. I mean, 
What would you think of someone who is banging their head against a cement wall while crying about how painful it was, yet they would not stop? Wouldn't you think that was just a sign of complete lunacy? I would just want to help them. I'd want to sprint over and hold them and, and be like, know, don't hit your head against the wall. Yes, but I'm telling you that if they keep watching all this stuff yeah. and listening to all this stuff, that they run back and keep hitting their head on the wall. And that's somebody who is in deep shit. And that's our world culture today. And the thing that scares the hell out of me is that Americans and other large corporations are now taking that technology into third world countries who were close to the ground and we, who still had a chance. Yeah. So if, if we don't all start standing up to the government, I mean, we don't have a government anymore. We have a corporate headquarters. That's what we've got. Well, look, the world should be shit scared when you have Donald Trump as a president. When you vote in a guy who's bankrupt many businesses, has a reputation for being a crook, who has no respect for other people's racial or religious needs, wants, or beliefs, and has already been highly suspected of rigging an entire election and is a bad actor. I mean, Ronald Reagan was scary enough. Now we got someone who literally is a bad actor. And Some people believe he is the darkness that we need, though, to shake well, loose he a little is, more consciousness. He is. He is an expression of what's trapped in the unconscious of humanity. The point is you got to do something about it. Look, you can come to me with depression, and I can identify that your depression comes from uh, maybe, let's say, parental abuse as a child or being had the hell scared out of you in a Christian church. But when I give you the techniques to heal that, such as meditation, such as journaling, such as art therapy, you have got to choose to use the techniques, don't you? Mm -hmm. Or there's nothing I can do as a therapist. As a therapist, it's my job to educate you and guide you, but it's your job to do the work. Well, if we can see our shadow in Donald Trump, then we better get together and do something about it. Or it's like going on a shamanic journey and going, wow, man, wow, I saw God. I, I know I need to love God people more i need to take care of the planet and then you go home and you're right back to being the same village idiot you were and then you go on another shamanic journey and another one and i'm like how many freaking times do you have to get the message medicines don't do the work they open the psyche they show you what's keeping you from truly being human and truly being a citizen of the world and the universe but you have got to pick your bony ass up or your fat ass up and walk through the door they opened and say, I'm going to get rid of my synthetic clothes. I'm going to sell my gas guzzler. I'm going to buy organic food and put my money into sustainable living. I'm going to take my stock out of drug companies and out of these companies that are destroying the planet. And I am going to live a simpler life. It doesn't cost so much. If I have to move out of my house and get an eco car or ride a bicycle I'm going to do what I got to do because I know that if I don't do it, then I haven't changed the world and I can't just sit around forever waiting for everyone else to fix the world. We've got this passive society, which is yeah. part of the program. And Ken Wilber goes into the development of our education system. There's a book I listened to years ago uh, by Ken Wilber called A Brief History of Everything. And he shows how our entire education system was developed by plantation owners. And the plantation owners developed the education system to pre-program the children to work on the plantations and that they were specifically designed to knock creativity and novel thinking out of the children because they did not want them screwing up 
assembly line processes or processes that were automated or that were done in a specific way. So they used the so-called education to keep the children busy so they could work the parents longer in the fields and in the sugar cane factories or whatever. But what we don't realize is that between religion and our education system, we are taught what to think. We are not taught how to think. My wife has a, three master's degrees, one of them in biological anthropology from Cambridge University in England, which, which, which is a, what I would consider a real university. But she used to be an, an adjunct or an assistant professor at Colorado State, and she, would, she told me when she came over here from England, she said she was shit-shocked at, at how American students could not think. They didn't know how to write paragraphs. If it wasn't a multiple-choice question and answer, they didn't know what to do with themselves. And so... You know, you've got the military that programs you and brainwashes you. You've got education systems. Look, look at the stuff that, I mean, if you look at the advances in science and the advances, for example, even in, in, in things like the theory of gravity, um, Einstein's E equals MC squared has actually been shown to be wrong. If, if you look at the many, many things, study the electric universe, theory out there it's mind-bogglingly good they've they've come up with like 20 or 20 plus answers to questions that current materialistic science cannot answer but nobody wants them to get they suppress them in the journals so you have a scientific establishment is which is part of this whole thing that only wants the information out that supports their agenda the big bang we're still talking we, st we got still people scientists believing in the big bang Studies, study uh, Stalking the Wild Pendulum by Itzhak Bentov, who is the f one who had, man who invented the pacemaker, and he was the first man to scientifically study meditation. He was a genius. He was an advanced meditator. In Stalking the Wild Pendulum, he explains piles of stuff that's way beyond what you ever hear in school. And when I talk about these things to people, they act like I'm crazy. If you study Tesla and many, many others, like... There is very smart people out there that are not being given airtime, but we have plenty of airtime for morons to pacify us. Look, yeah. they made alcohol legal because it increases nationality. It increases the ego. It crystallizes the ego. It makes people want to fight. That's why it's called courage juice. White sugar, Candace Pert said right in the book Molecules of Emotion, and I've seen interviews with her, she said white sugar, processed white sugar is as addictive as morphine and heroin, and it should have been a classified class one drug and kept from the public. It's that dangerous. And the sugar industry makes billions and billions of dollars. And we've got people like Nestle sponsoring the Olympics. When I was in the New Zealand Olympic Center, their new Olympic Center, when I was uh, lecturing in New Zealand a number of years ago, I walked into this new Olympic Center and on the tables where all the athletes sit was pamphlets. And it says right in the pamphlet, did you know sugar is an important part of a well-balanced diet for any athlete? Oh I'm like, God. are you fucking kidding me? I've never fucking met an athlete in my life yeah. that knew what a balanced diet was. So, Paul, we have some forces stacked against us, to say the least. Well, and I think people might even be feeling from you right now, like, Paul, holy shit, like, is there anything we can even do about it, right? Well, there is. I just said, go fucking buy organic food. Stop buying chemicals that are killing you and the planet. We can't, the, the whole political system's a joke. It's a prop up. It never has been real. If you want to make a change, stop putting money in the hands of the corporations. These yeah. things are huge, monstrous corporations. Look, 
if everyone stops buying toxic deodorants, they have got to make something else or they got nothing to sell. If we start putting pressure on the government, signing petitions, if we say no fracking, we got to stop destroying the earth. We got to come up, we've got to get back to the use of free energy technologies. You know how much money is made on copper wire alone to run all these telephone wires? Look, Tesla was transferring energy without wires 100 years ago. And they buried him. They buried his patents. They got rid of him because why? All the freaking moguls that were making money off the metals thought, shit, if Tesla's technology gets out there, there's about a trillion dollars worth of copper we're not going to sell. Mm. I mean, if you start looking into this stuff, it's fucking greed on top of greed. All you got to do is say, okay, what can I do today? If you flush the toilet one less time, look, there's about seven-something billion people on the planet. You know how much water we would save yeah. if the people that have a toilet didn't flush it just one time? That's a lot of water. That would water an entire small country in one day. Stop throwing shit in the garbage. Most people don't realize. It takes three times the amount of water that the average plastic bottle holds to make the plastic bottle. So people are running around buying all these bottles of water, but they don't realize you think you're getting better water. It's usually just filtered tap water. And two, it took three times as much water as the bottle holds to make the fucking bottle. And then it ends up in the Pacific Ocean leaching xenoestrogens into the animals' bodies. And then we're killing the damn planet. There's a million things you can do. The first thing you got to do is start with yourself. Yes. Just say, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to get to bed on time. That's why I teach four doctors, Dr. Quiet, Dr. Movement, Dr. Happiness, and Dr. Diet. If you don't understand those four basic philosophies, you don't understand the basics of living and you can't, nobody can help you until you understand that because that's how the whole world works. So eat organic food and put your money into the hands of people that care for the soil. Stop buying chemicals for your body, for your home that are toxic. Buy things that are earth-friendly, that are made by earth-friendly corporations. Carpool when you can. Support the companies that are earth-friendly. Buy organic clothing. You know, you start wearing synthetic clothing, it screws your energy field up. And they have the technology now to measure that. But I've been telling people this for years. Look, I teach Tai Chi. I've been practicing meditation since I was a kid. I've taught thousands of people Tai Chi. I did it for 15 years, practically every single day of my life. I can feel subtle energy very well. And I can tell you, and, and, and as a medicine man that uses psychedelics, I have had people literally want to rip their clothes off when they get deep enough into a, a journey with plant medicines because they're so much more aware of their subtle energies and their feeling, they feel like they're being suffocated in plastic. And I tell them, never show up to a journey with any kind of synthesized material, polyesters or any of that crap, because it disrupts your energy field and it disconnects you from the earth. Stop watching crap on television. Go back to making some music. Sing, dance. Read good books written by intelligent people. Study the books of the people who you would be willing to emulate. Yeah. But what do we have now? We have people that spend their whole day watching. I mean, haven't you ever looked at the ads on television and wonder who in the no, fuck watches No, because I, I don't that? watch television, and we've talked about this a lot, too. And it's funny you mentioned these weapons of mass distraction. You know yeah. who said the same thing was Gay Hendricks. 
right? This body intelligence, Katie Hendricks. And so I think about where people actually are today. You have 30 plus years of doing this work. If somebody's listening right now and they're taking these notes, which by the way, we're going to link so many notes in the podcast today. But if people are starting out, is it just a starting point for the revolution that we need where they just take loving care of themselves? You look, you can't give what you don't have. How the hell are you going to save a planet when you're too tired to wipe your ass, comb your hair and go to the store and buy some real food? You know, if you want to make a change in the world, you can guarantee you do something by just loving yourself and taking care of yourself. I mean, shit, people talk about, I get all these vegetarians saying how it's cruel to animals to eat meat. I'm, and I'm like, well, the reason you're here is because you're sick. So here you are touting this vegetarian or veganism philosophy, and I'm not saying it's anything against the philosophy. Everything to me is a tool in a toolbox. There's a time to be a vegetarian. There's a time to be a vegan. There's a time to eat meat. There's a time to fast. There's a time to go to plants and eat this or that. That's part of what I teach is being aware of what you need so you can live a full life and be a contributor to the world. But I get these people coming with all their philosophy and telling me how oh bad it is to eat meat and how important it is for their health. And I will look, you're paying me $750 an hour to tell me how good your philosophy, but you're sitting in that chair because you're sick. So that means you are abusing a human animal. So quit talking about all the animal abuse because if you're not loving and taking care of yourself, then you are already torturing one of the most evolved animals that we have. And that animal needs to be awake, healthy, and ready to protect this planet immediately. I'm so feeling that. When I started my training career 2004, I was like, I want to change the world. And I had this almost like existential anxiety that like mm-hmm. I had to change the world. And I think a lot of health professionals feel this way, yeah. but I actually, I'll raise my hand and admit, I lost my daily practices at some point. It's easy I stopped, to do. I stopped caring for myself because I was like shining a light on other people the whole yep. time. And good, it's, good Christian, always care for everybody else but yourself. Right, and this paradigm we learned early, as you've talked about. So shifting this narrative, you yeah. do, you do. It's it's funny. I can almost feel from you like your whole body gets energized talking about the problems, and I think you also get energized talking about the solutions. Well, the thing is, I've been living the solutions. I was raised on a farm. I know what happens when you make mistakes on a farm. You starve. Like that, you learn that on a farm. You know, I'm I've come from a working farm, and my father will tune your ass up real quick if you do something stupid. You know, when you're working on a farm, you're working with nature. And we were not a farm manipulating the environment with chemicals. We were a real farm. And, you know, like you find out right away. I'll give you a simple example of how quick you get a report cut on a farm. We had goats and we milked our goats. But if you don't keep those goats in a controlled environment, goats love to get into garbage cans. Well, let me tell you something. It takes only one drink of goat milk after the goats have been in the garbage can, and there's no damn question in your mind that whatever goes into an animal's mouth goes into everything in its body, including its milk. I have drank goat milk when the goats got out and were eaten out of the garbage cans, and it smelled and tasted and like garbage and make you sick one drink of it. It's like someone poisoned you with garbage. So my point is, when you live on a farm, you learn how nature works and you learn to worship and respect it because she's got the power to wipe you out. Yeah. All it takes is three weeks of rain to kill off all your hay or, or a strong wind to get blow down or a chill to make your animals sick because they're exposed to extreme weather. Uh, you, you learn to respect Mother Nature and we have gotten to the point where we are very, very disrespectful of everything in nature we're disrespectful of the soil 
we're, we are so, so full of hubris, we don't realize that under our feet is one of the most comprehensive living chemistry sets in the fucking universe. Yeah. And we think it's just dirt, and we pour nuclear waste into the ground, we pile garbage into the ground, and people just think because it's out of sight, it's out of mind. But guess what? It's poisoning your land. I mean, look at all the poisoning of the water in... in um, uh, North Carolina, where all they have all these factory farms, they've screwed the entire water table up. But the, the the real issue is right now we need all hands on deck. But you can't think effectively until you're fed and rested effectively. You can't do any work until you're ready to work. You can't be loving until you're loving to yourself. All you can do is fake it. You have to eat well to think well. You have to eat well to move well. You have to eat well to rest well. If you don't eat well, you can't sleep. Your body's jacked up on chemicals. You're full of adrenaline and cortisol, and you are anxious, and you can't sleep. So look, when, when you see what it takes to be a healthy person, it means you got to go right back to basic principles, and you must love and worship the earth. And, the, and look... James Lovelock's Gaia hypothesis, this guy was a highly skilled scientist. This isn't some airy-fairy story about the Earth being conscious. Man, he showed beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Earth is conscious and regulating systems and that it's a living organism. Shaman been saying this forever. And people think, oh, these shaman and people like that, medicine men, they're old, antiquated. Oh, yeah? I got a question for you. One... The shaman learned almost all the formulas by talking to the plants. Two, you better read the history of medicine and you'll find out that the grand majority of the drugs that launched the entire drug industry were recipes stolen from natives and from shaman. And they went into the jungles and they stole the formulas and there's plenty of this written up in historical books and they patented it and then went after them for making their own medicines and shit like that. The, 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 the technology is in the human being and the technology is in the earth. And I say, let's just get ethical about science. Science has no morals whatsoever. I mean, science makes atom bombs and don't give a shit if it's going to wipe the planet out. They make microwave ovens and don't care if it's going to uh, give you a huge white blood cell count. They've Look... Here's an example of the, the amorality of science. You go to most hospitals and there's signs on microwave ovens that says, warning, do not microwave milk for babies. Right. Because it kills them. Yes. It causes them anaphylactic shock. Hans Hertel did research years and years ago showing that when he gave people microwave food, they had a huge white cell increase, which means they're having an immune reaction to it. This the Swedish government tried to put a gag on him so he could not publish that, but he said, screw you, I don't care if you put me in jail, and he did it anyhow. If the freaking microwaves in the hospitals know it'll kill kids, then why would you microwave food for anybody? Period. A little human body and a big human body are still human bodies, and a white blood cell count going through the roof is a white blood cell count going through the roof. But, but you see... Science will manufacture technologies that shouldn't be used because it doesn't really care. All it cares about is, look how cool my invention is and look how much money I'm making off the damn thing. Mm. So my point is, we've got to put morality. A moral, by definition, is a code of conduct that is life-affirmative. 
An ethic is a code of conduct that may or may not be life affirmative. I was a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division, and I had a very thick soldier's manual that said who to kill and who not to kill. That's an ethics manual, not a morality manual. Right? You understand? Mm -hmm. Science has got to get moral. Look, if you study the use of the atom bomb, the nuclear bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, if you study that, you will find that they, they had already thrown the white flag in and given up. But the United States dropped the bomb anyway just to make a point. They did not have to drop that bomb. There is the immoral use of science. Einstein about turned inside out when his scientific advancements were used for those kinds of purposes. But there's a deeper thing. The world's always been full of challenges. Even though we had healthy, loving, tribal people, they used to war like shit. Sure. Right? And I said the earth is a schoolyard for souls. Edward Edinger, MD, describes consciousness very beautifully. He says, consciousness is a psychic substance, meaning it's real, produced not blindly, but in living awareness of opposites. And everything in the universe is made of the complementary opposites of yin and yang. The force that draws in and compresses new stars into life, and yang, the force that ignites them and makes them glow and burn exquisitely hot. So yin is cold and yin is in. So yin multiplies power, yang divides power. So the battles in relationships, the battles of growing yourself and becoming a professional and going through the trial and error of being a good athlete or a, the trial, trials of being a mother, the trials of people learning to get along with each other, the trials of learning how to use science and technology, these are all the things that guarantee consciousness will evolve. The question is not whether or not these two forces are ever going to go away. They're inherently part of the earth. It doesn't matter what technology we have. We'll be problematic with it. The real thing is waking up to realize that the whole universe operates off these two principles. And when you're conscious of how those principles work, then you become conscious of when you're overusing or underusing anything. If you're overaccumulating, that's excess yang. That's fire is desire, right? It eats things up. So the question I, you have to ask yourself is, what is it that I really need that will satiate me so I don't have to overconsume food and I don't have to keep uh, making satiating myself or palliating myself with more cars, more clothes, more makeup, more, more, more. We have become conditioned to be a consumer society and we consume without any conscious awareness of what it's doing to the earth. And when you start, I remember I saw a program, I don't know what it was on, TED or something like that. This girl tracked what it took to make certain things, things that you just think are obvious like a, oh, yeah, a, 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 a computer or something. And man, it had, it took pigs and chickens and Soya beans and, I mean, when you saw how much it took to make something like a computer, you realize that every one of those damn things is a big draw on the earth. But because we're blind to all this shit, we just buy shit and use it and throw it around. You know, like, how many people don't compost? If you're throwing food into the garbage, you can't do anything for the soil with that. Yeah. You now just have a rotten garbage pile, Right. Just composting, one of the things that Dr. Hollis King found is that when he went to China, 
they collected their feces and they had dumping sites. Everyone brought their feces and dumped it. They called it midnight soil. And then the farmers would take it out and, and mix it into the compost and put it back into the earth so they recycled even their own poop. Today, we can't do that. Why? Because research shows that human beings are so toxic. If you collected their urine and their feces and tried to farm with it, it would kill the plants. So we've actually gotten to the point where we are so toxic that we are poisoning the ground when you bury a human being in the soil, you might kill the tree next to the person's gravestone, right? So do you see that constant consumerism is an indication that we have lost connection with our soul? We've lost connection with what gives you a sense of satiation emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And we've lost connection to what really is beautiful, right? Look, being able to sit in Encinitas and watch the sun go down, that's beautiful. But playing another fucking round of Street Fighter 2, that's not beautiful. <laughs> so we've talked about a lot of the problems in the mm-hmm. world. And I think viscerally, people that are watching and listening have felt them immensely. And they deserve respect and attention. There's also that same light that we can shine on some of the solutions. One of the things that you do is medicine, plant medicine specifically, how do you feel like Mother Nature is using you as a conduit for this? Well, I, I don't think Mother Nature is just using me. I think Mother U- Nature is using anybody that's paying attention to what the medicines are teaching them and to the people that you have to go to that are legitimate, that provide a sacred space for you to do the plant medicines in. The plant medicines speak to anybody that takes them. The question is, are you listening or are you just getting stoned? There's a big difference. If you use a plant medicine to go unconscious, to avoid your inner challenges and the challenges of the world, then you are just wasting plant medicine and you might as well just get drunk or, you know, stoned or use medical drugs or whatever. Uh, It doesn't matter what approach you take. You know, this all goes back to the whole thing I said about, you know, that the earth is sacred and everything in life is participating in the life of everything else. So the, the, the plant medicines work to disable the ego's filtration system so the unconscious contents, the things that we've repressed and often that we're blaming other people for but aren't willing to accept, as you said, Donald Trump is a beautiful expression of our shadow. So A pretty damn dark one. Well, yes, but the dark is certainly in the light now. So the question True. becomes, what do we do about it? Well, we stop acting in ways that we can see are Donald Trump-like. We stop being too greedy. We stop being disrespectful of people of other races, colors, and creeds. We stop playing religious games that are my religion against your religion. We, we start living as a community that is part of the earth and as human beings— We have the power to destroy the earth and we have the power to nourish and care for the earth, you know? And and it's just really about becoming conscious about, well, first of all, why are you doing the plant medicines? Most people do plant medicines because they're running from some kind of problem in their life and they're looking for another one-hit wonder or they're trying to use it as a form of escape or some kind of like wow factor, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of beautiful effects that plant medicines bring, but they won't bring those effects to somebody who isn't open to those 
effects. And like I said to you guys earlier, the plant medicines open a door, but they don't walk through it. You have to do the walking. The plant medicines show you where you're being disrespectful, but they but you have to go apologize. The plant medicines show you where you're being overconsumptive, but you have to choose to be less consumptive. You know, plant medicines are teachers. They're not dictators. They're not fascists, right? You understand? Like, if you go to a military school, you have to do what you're told or you get punished. But if you go to the plant medicine school, you get a lesson in awareness, but they're not going to force you to do push-ups for not conforming, and they're not going to make you shovel uh, dirt into sandbags for three weeks so everybody knows you're an idiot on a military post. You know, when I was a paratrooper, they had a thing called the cherry hat, and it's the last thing you ever wanted to come into contact with. Basically, what the cherry hat is, is it's a, a combat helmet painted bright red. And if you ever see somebody wearing the cherry helmet, it means that you're a complete screw-up and everyone spits at you, throws cans out the window at you, calls you names because they know that you're uh, basically you're stupid enough to get yourself in trouble enough times to be wearing the cherry hat, which means in a battlefield situation, you're probably the most dangerous guy out there and mm. you're wearing the same uniform they are, which is bad news. But the plant medicines don't give cherry hats out. What they do give out is that your life starts to fall apart on the very medicine that's helping others put their lives together. And there's your cherry hat. All you've got to do is ask yourself this question. If you're drinking two cups of coffee a day and you're getting headaches or you're not feeling more vital or more productive, the one question you ask, is this coffee working for me? Is it contributing to my dream? Well, if it's giving you headaches and making you feel lousy and you've had to drink more and more and more, obviously it's not working for you. So it means it's time to go to the drawing board and say, what's healthier for me? And why do I need to drink coffee all the time to get whatever done that I'm trying to do? Well, maybe the message is that you really need a lot more sleep and you shouldn't be spending more money than you can functionally earn without destroying yourself. And that's one of the diseases we have, we identify ourselves a lot by the car, the toys, the status symbols, but they don't, people don't realize that's built into the marketing. There's tremendous amounts of research. I mean, they're monitoring every website you go to. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at all the information about this stuff. Your phone is really a tool that is heavily used so marketers can do very scientific predatory marketing against you. So the... The, the key point is, is when you get to the point where you have to work so hard that you have to drink five-hour energy and Red Bull and coffee and take stimulants just to make it through the day, well, how much more of a warning do you need that you actually aren't living anymore? You're running on a treadmill to keep rich people rich. There's an old saying, if you're not working for your own goals and dreams, you can rest assured you are working for your bosses. And, you know, the first step in the check system, I have a one, two, three, four system. Number one, identify what is your dream. Psychologist Jerry West says if you have a big enough dream, you don't need a crisis. But we have a whole culture of people that have been raised by parents and by educational systems and religious ideologies that tell you what you've got to do and what you can't do. 
mom and dad say, you need to go get a degree so you can become a doctor or a lawyer or a white-collar worker. You'll never make a living. But the kid says, I really want to be a musician. Oh, that's horseshit. Or I want to be a dancer. Or I want to be an artist. Or I want to work on a farm. Oh, you know, so the point is, the, the, the percentage of children that are railroaded out of their dreams and taught that they have to do what some authority figure wants them to do, and then we have the white jacket problem, which is a hand-me-down from the religious idea of the priest. So we have doctors telling you what is and isn't healthy when they're not healthy. We have educators telling you how you should educate yourself so you can make a good living, but they're not making a good living and they're not happy and they're not doing things that they want to do. So step number one is, is identifying what it is that it gets you excited enough to wake up and want to live for each day and say, you know, if you want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro or you want to race a triathlon or run a marathon or, or uh, be a healthy mother or a grandmother that can play with their children, then you simply have to start asking your questions every day. When you're feeling like crap from eating at McDonald's, is this getting me to being able to play with my grandkids? No, well, so far it's making you tired and obese. Is drinking stimulants helping me or is it actually damaging me? It's damaging you because if it's healthy, you aren't chained to it. Joseph Campbell says, if you want to find out who your God is, ask yourself what you cannot do without for two or three days. I <laughs> define an addiction yeah. as any repeated behavior that does not produce the results you want. An addiction is any repeated behavior that does not produce the results you want. And the way you know what results you want is because you have a dream. You obviously had a dream to build a successful podcast. So I simply say to you, Josh, if there's anything that you're doing in your life that's making it hard for you to eat, sleep, breathe, shit, and enjoy being the man that can deliver the message that the world needs right now, then you're energizing a nightmare, not a dream, because it disables you. If I don't practice what I teach my students, then I wouldn't have any students because they would know I was a village idiot, right? Mm -hmm. So every one of us has to step into our adult shoes. And my definition of adult, of an adult, is one who says what they mean and means what they say. Anything else is secondary. If you say, I want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, then live that way. Begin living as a mountain climber today. Eat like one, breathe like one, exercise like one, sleep like one, cook like one, think like one read the great mountain climbers, watch the great documentaries. There's examples for us all around us. There is no shortage of wise people to help us. Once we tune in to who it is that we want to morph ourselves into and what we want to share with the world, the information and the people are all around you. I've seen it a thousand times from Sunday. You want to be a big wave surfer? Study Laird Hamilton. Eat like Laird Hamilton, watch his interviews, listen to his podcasts, and become as much of Laird Hamilton as you can, and you'll find out something very quick if you start listening to Laird Hamilton. He's not just some dumb jock. He is one highly developed, highly intelligent human being with a deep love and respect for nature, and if you emulate Laird Hamilton on the way to being a big wave surfer, you got something. If you want to be a great scientist, then study scientists whose lives reflected uh, 
the life of an intelligent human being. Not Oppenheimer. He created destruction and death, and if you see interviews with him, he looked like death itself. You know, go study the Genius series. Look at the Picassos of the world. Look at the Einsteins of the world. I've studied the biographies of about 150 of the world's greatest thinkers because I wanted to know what it is that makes these people great. What it is that was part of the fabric of the psyche and the soul that brings a person to devote themselves so fully to their path that they leave magic behind that inspires the rest of us. What was it? It was the commitment to a dream. Yeah. It was the dream, right? Look, if God is unconditional love, then the answer is always yes. That's why they say, be careful what you pray for. You may not like what you get. God is unconditional love. That's a zero force. That means the answer is always yes. To say no is to create a condition. God is pure potential. And when we set a dream for ourselves and focus our intention in that direction, then the whole universe conspires to help us. And you talk to thousands of people that are great achievers and have developed themselves spiritually, I'll tell you the same thing. Study all the world's religions. I have. At the core of every world religion is the same message. It doesn't matter. I don't care if it's Jesus saying, like I got books right in my library comparing the sayings or the parables of Jesus, Lao Tzu, and Buddha. Side by side. And what cracks me up is the Christians are so anti-Buddha and anti anybody but Jesus, but they don't realize, well, first of all, if God is God, then God is all these, the source of all these things. And two, don't deny wisdom no matter where it comes from. Three, if you study the history of the making of the Bible or a great course is how Jesus became God, you can get it right from the teaching company or the find on Amazon, how Jesus became God. There's just one example of many courses I could cite. And when you actually get honest about your investigation of your own philosophy, if you don't ask challenging questions for yourself, then you're always going to be gullible and you're always going to be programmed and you're always be susceptible. Do not miss part three, our last episode coming up live right now in this special edition series with Paul. Click over to episode 228. And be sure also to go to Wellness Force YouTube, the channel to watch Paul and myself live and in person. In this last segment, we go into some unexplored territory and dive into uncharted waters for first ever topics in this last episode. So until I see you on episode 228, I'm wishing you love and wellness.